Hello, and welcome to Here's Johnny's Reviews and my concluding look at bad video game movies such as Super Mario Bros, Street Fighter, Mortal Kombat, and today's movies, Tomb Raider. Based off the highly successful and PlayStation 1's original game, female pinup star Laura Croft, this wasn't supposed to be her name, but it was supposed to be Lara Cruz. But Americans cannot say Lara, so it was changed to Laura Croft. And an icon was born, however, it was supposed to be a man, not a woman, but the game developers didn't want to be sued for making an Indiana Jones clone, so they changed the gender and thought it would be hilarious to have a female doing all this manly man stuff. Unfortunately, they made her the almost unrealistic woman with huge 36 double F boobs and a tiny 24 inch waist. That doesn't matter however, she was designed to be sold to horny teenage boys, so an icon was born. This podcast isn't about Battle of Sexies however, this is a movie podcast and besides that, in the 90s I played the shit out of this while listening to Robert Miles and Sash and other dance music of the time. So, with that, let's dive into this $96 million movie that pulled in an incredible $246 million. Yet, was seen as a flop and hated by critics. Starring Angelina Jolie, Ian Glenn, Daniel Craig, Chris Barry and John Voight. Directed by Simon West. Other plot, a cross between Indiana Jones, James Bond and a Playboy centerfold, goes on adventures across the world. However, this time, she must take on the Illuminati, hell-bent on destroying the world, with the help of a mystical clock. Can Lara stop this, or is the world doomed? I'm not going to lie here, this is the first time I've watched this movie from start to finish. However, I know this movie is utterly ridiculous, and let's see how much fun this actually is. The movie opens up with a Paramount logo, up flashes the titles Laura Croft, Tomb Raider, and then a close-up of Laura herself, played by Angela Jolie of Mr. Mrs. Smith, Hackers, Girl Interrupted, Salt, and The Changeling. Uh, she's hanging upside down from a rope, and in note, Jolie did most if not all of her stunts after months of yoga training, weapons training, and wire work training, and believe me, there is fuck tons of that on this movie. She flips off the rope, lands on her feet perfectly, and then, well, raids a tomb. An Indonesian tomb at that. Not wearing her iconic outfit of tan short shorts and a tan tank top, but she's wearing black shorts and a black t-shirt. Still, at least she does have her twin handguns, and not just one like she does in the Hard as Nails Tomb Raider 2014 reboot video game. And note, contrary to what it says in the behind the scenes of the DVD, Angelina Jolie was not the only one asked to play Laura, but it was floated around Hollywood to people such as Catherine Cedar Jones, Cameron Diaz, Jennifer Lopez, and Melina Jolovich. Out of the shadows comes a robot, yet it's supposed to be an ancient tomb. Okay then, Laura deals with this by filling it with what else? Bullets! While flipping around, shooting wildly, destroying the temple. Although I do like the way Laura reloads the, her guns, magazines just slide from her belt and into the guns. Although if they wanted to be like the video game, the gun should have been infinite bullets. Once the robot is down, after Laura mounts it and rips out its circuit boards, she takes the huge diamond. The robot comes back to life, so Laura, or Lara even, tells it to stop and inserts her own SD card. An SD card was basically a memory stick, but bloody well huge. And was news for most of the noughties. 
and it starts playing drum and bass music, the bane of the early noughties. We find out this is all just a training sim, as Laura drags the prone robot out of the training room, much to the dismay of her tech support Bryce, played by Noah Taylor of almost famous Charlie and Chocolate Factory, and Game of Thrones, he weeps over his pet robot as it is riddled with boats, as Laura's... Lara, rather, I can't say Laura, it's Lara. Butler, Hilary, played by Chris Barry of Red Dwarf fame, brings Lara a bottle of water. Onto some to keep the horny teens happy, an almost slow motion shower scene lasting a good two minutes. Okay then, and note, this was supposed to be a fully naked scene, but it was scaled back to make the thing PG-13. Onto Venice, an introduction to the villain, Manfred Powell, played by Ian Glenn of Resident Evil, movies I covered earlier this year, check my archives, Downton Abbey and of course Game of Thrones, because everybody's in Game of Thrones for crying out loud. Seems he's the lackey of Luminati, style secret group bent on destroying or ruling the world, it's not actually clear. What is clear is he wants to destroy the world. They need to get their hands on some sort of cosmic key MacGuffin and he has one week to get it. We get a shot of a gold all-seeing eye type symbol above the seats of the lead of sort of head of the Illuminati Council. Back at Croft Estate, we see Hillary handing Laura a stack of files with various adventures. She says no to all of them because it is the 15th of May, the day her father died, onto a shot of a piss poorly photoshopped picture of her father, which is actually Jolie's real dad, John Voigt. Lara tearfully places a reef made out of daisy chains onto a tombstone, onto a shot of Pluto, Neptune and Uranus, or Uranus, Uranus, even, mm, whatever, aligning as Laura watches from her telescope, a quick story plotline about how all nine planets will align in a week, and this all happens every 5,000 years. One thing, just how rich is Laura Croft? She has this huge mansion with its own danger room, multi-gar, multi-car garage and a swimming pool. Hmm, that night one nightmare slash vision later of Laura's meeting her daddy, Lord Croft, played by Jean Voigt of Deliverance, Mission Impossible, Anaconda, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, and other movies of them at his tombstone, which turns out to be a tent in the backyard of the complex or compound or whatever the fuck it is where he gives her an old pocket watch and tells her about the planetary alignment happening once every 5,000 years. Awakening from her dream by a ticking clock under the floorboards, and what is this telltale heart? Hmm. She investigates the ticking she finds a clock under the staircase which is hidden behind panels. And why did it just start ticking now, not 20 years late, earlier? I mean, this is completely messed up. She gets Bryce out from his trailer, wait, what? Where he's sleeping with his robots, Ah, what? She's sleeping with Roten. She shows him the clock and he seems unimpressed. Until she points out this has been dormant for over 20 years and sprung to life at the start of the plan's alignment. Also, it is ticking backwards. Bryce uses a small fibre optics camera to look inside the clock, finding a weird red eye symbol in it. Bryce carefully opens it, but Laura has no time for that and smash it open with a hammer, as you do, because this is all great archaeologists who smash things up with hammers. Hmm. Or shoot them or blow them up. Finding the weird red eye symbol inside, which she IDs it as an all-seeing eye. One motorbike trip across Tower Bridge later against traffic, which Joe is supposed to have done herself, which I'm calling bullshit that one, to an auction house where she nearly wins a bid of £2.5 million for a clock. Here she meets 
friend of the family, Mr. Wilson, plays by Leslie Phillips of the Harry Potter movies, Empire's son, King Ralph, and a few of the earlier Carry-On movies. Before they can talk business, however, we're introduced to Laura's ex, Alex West, played by Daniel Craig, of Lairkick, Munich, Defiance, Lucky Logan, and of course, the modern James Bond. I want to see a rival archaeologist. Hmm, well I hope he's a better one than Lara, as her approach is to shoot first, destroy everything, and yet grab the goods at the last minute. Great archaeologist there. She quickly blows him off, run out of way, get your mind out of the gutter, and shows Wilson the all-seeing eyepiece she found in the clock, which she opens to show what looked like horoscope signs and a glowing blue middle eyepiece. She then tells him what her father told her about the all-seeing eye that kept being used to control time once fixed to the triangle of light. He tells her he cannot help her, yet that night calls her to tell her about her villain, Mr. Powell. The next morning, Laura goes off to see Mr. Powell at his mansion, where he's having some sort of Indian-themed party. Okay then. Laura shows Powell photographs of the clock he feigns ignorance and disinterest while flirting with Lara. That night, Lara does a spot of indoor bungee jumping, as you do when you're stinking rich. And note, Julie did this herself, however it doesn't tell you behind the scenes. She broke her ankle and this sh- putting the shoot back several weeks. As she's doing this, a group of SES-style men break in and shoot up the house. However, Laura deals quickly with them, buff a few flips and kicks all their asses. Yet more drum and bass stuff as this is scored throughout the bloody movie. With some wall running, yes folks, wall running, Matrix has nothing on this, Laura finishes the second wave. However, the third wave breaks into the vault, I think it is anyway, where the clock is just lying in the open. As downstairs, Laura deals with the fourth wave in her garage, unarmed, and with only her motorbike, but not before killing one with a screwdriver to the chest which she fires from a drill. Hmm. All the while, Hillary tries to deal with the second wave in the vault by shooting at it with a shotgun, even though it's got bulletproof glass surrounding it. Yes, well done him. Driving around on her bike, she sh- shoots but does not kill anyone. How very 18 of this movie. But she knocks one out with the back of her tyre from her bike. What? This is the start of the ridiculous stunts. With the clock now stolen, they leave and the next morning it is in Powell's hands. And did I say all this time Laura fought? All these men, she was in her gym jams, her pyjamas. Get in. A UPS man delivers Laura a letter from her father with a cryptic clue leading Lara to a bookcase where she finds another priceless first edition which she rips open with a knife. This is another letter from Daddy that tells her her mission is to find the two halves of the Triangle of Light and keep it out of the evil hands of man, for it has the power to control time itself. So, off she goes to Cambodia which she arrives in an SES plane, but she's dropped off by parachute in the most terrible green screen effect I've seen in a while. And wouldn't you know it, her ex is beating her to it, pulling down an ancient door using slave labour. So Laura must hurry, but first changing her outfit, because why wouldn't you change your outfit? Oh, didn't I say her ex works for the villain? Shocking, I know. As Laura drives her Land Rover with reckless abandonment to the temple and not, this had to be done several times, as the open top roof kept on dropping in snakes and bugs over Julie and she was not well pleased. Alex West pulls the ropes attached to the giant stone door. Yeah, because 200 men pulling it down won't budget, but your muscles will, and miraculously it bloody well does. Laura finds a hidden entrance, just as Alex gets the door opened. 
in the hidden entrance, she's led by a mysterious little girl. Almost falling to her death. Yeah, thanks little girl, you could have warned me about that one. Instead of just standing there laughing, Lara stops herself in the nick of time and she's now inside the tomb. Just as Powell, Alex and his men's men are in it, surrounding the tomb looking for the key. Laura must stay hiding, or Lara even must stay hidding. However, in a small stone at the top of the tomb, she reads a warning, if they touch anything, they will die. I forgot to say just how bad Daniel Craig's American accent is. Jolie's British isn't too bad, but his is bloody piss poor. West moves a statue of this new swords, thinking this will unlock the puzzle. Laura comes out of the shadows to tell Alex he's wrong. So Powell throws up the clock eye key thingy and starts the pendulum. Laura rides it and forces it to smash into the statue. And note, Joey did this stuff. As the stepmom was getting motion sickness, but I'm going to call bullshit on that. In some awful CGI water effects, the first part of the triangle is revealed. Laura snatches it from Powell's grasp as the CGI water continues to bring the statues alive somehow. As there's dozens of statues that are warriors and they come alive. Not only does Laura have to fight off Powell's men, but she also has to deal with these living statues, which she does with ease as Powell's men all die. This new herself comes to life, so instead of running like every good archaeologist should, she just shoots up, destroying the priceless artifact. Again, some archaeologist she is. She's chased out of the tomb by a winged dog statue, which is quickly blown up by Powell. So Laura runs through the jungle, chased by Alex, who holds her at gunpoint over a waterfall, but she just dives off. Making herself to another Cambodian temple, she makes a phone call to Powell, who's getting a massage for some reason. Get in. They arrange to meet in Venice because she has the triangle half, yet he has the clock eyepiece thing. Hmm. With that, Laura phones England to Bryce to meet her in Venice and note the outfit that Laura is wearing is a pale orange robe because this thing caused a stir as women are not allowed to wear orange monk robes in Cambodia. One quick prayer later and some magical tea and Laura's wounds have now healed, including a bullet that she got from Alex. On to Venice and a face-to-face -face meeting of Laura and Powell in the Illuminati chambers where he tells her he isn't in the Illuminati. She throws her knife at the all-seeing eye symbol from the start of the movie. Powell then tries to bargain with Laura, telling her that they could share the power but all she does is just mock him in the Illuminati chambers from the start of the movie, as I said earlier, until he tells her her father was in the Illuminati. Also, she does not believe him, however. So he tries again to bargain with Laura, telling her he will give her time with her father back if she helps him get the second half of the triangle. She just walks off of her and just scoffs at him. Another shower scene, this time of Daniel Craig. Well, at least this is a equal, equal opportunities pervert, as Alex walks around wearing nothing but a loaded gun. He scares a maid. Laura warns him not to cross her and then just walks off a smirk and he's on her face. I guess she's not impressed with his double seven status then. Hey. At a secret meeting place that Laura somehow knows about, Powell tells his lackey everything is going to plan. Laura, now dressed in an Arctic outfit, boards a plane and he'll fly to Siberia for some reason. Note, this is actually Iceland. The cast and crew hated shooting here as it was freezing cold, wet and extremely windy. I guess that's what the director gets for sliding off Scotland, where it was supposed to be shot originally. As Bryce bargains with a village elder for some husky dogs, does Lara see another mysterious little girl warning her off the hidden temple? 
pals, Russian army buddies shop with some sort of car-boat hybrids. It is on. They all drive on th- to the frozen island in the middle of a lake. Somehow this works. Then on to a dead zone, which is the centre of a meteor crash crater. Laura and Powell's men ride their huskies onto the hidden temple as Bryce moans his tech is not working. In the temple, Laura rings a bell that opens a tomb door, which is actually an ice wall. Inside the tomb, they find a huge clockwork solar system machine, which has weird CGI light beams coming from all around it, and somehow de-ages and ages a husky dog that jumps into it. So with minutes left, Powell's men climb up to the machine to find the other half of the triangle. With the alignment beginning, Laura and Alex climb onto the machine after Powell's men gets caught in the moving planets and crushed to death. And note, this was a real moving machine set and both Joey and Craig did their own stunts. Laura places the clock key into a slot in the base of the machine, which is actually supposed to be the sun, and it's sucked in, then spat back out again with the second half of the triangle. Uh, Why would the ancients leave a piece of the triangle in the machine that activates the time control device. Hmm. It's as though the last 20 minutes or so and writers couldn't come up with a way to figure out to get this under two hours so this bullshit was shoved in. Unsurprisingly, Powell turns on his Illuminati masters and kills them all dead. So with the nine planets aligning, does he place the two pieces together giving him the power of overtime itself? Laura, however, has the clock piece so it doesn't work. Not to worry, however, Pill kills Alex and then watches as she tries to save her ex from drowning. Too bad one of the planets pulls him under the water and he is now drowned dead. Lara, with no choice, must team up with Pill in order to save Alex. So she throws the clock into a mystic wall, breaking it into pieces in some piss poor CGI. And now the final piece, which she then makes the triangle whole again. Magically, both Lara and Pill are sent back to the Temple of Light and have to run up the Illuminati Pyramid to get the all-seeing eye. And this bit makes no fucking sense whatsoever. Pill falls to his death over and she just grabs the Triangle of Light, where the hell it is, at the top of the pyramid. Anyway, Lara gets the eye and gets to see her father. He tells her she cannot use the power to visit him again and it must be destroyed as no man should have the power over time. Okay then, even though she's already went back in time to see him, it's uh, whatever. With a tearful goodbye, she's sent back in time just before Powell killed Alex, where she turns Powell's knife back on him, somehow killing him. She then, what else? Shoots the triangle and destroys it. The planet alignment ends. As Lara is leaving, on his deathbed, Powell tells her he killed her father, and then taunts her with his pocket watch, which has a picture of his mother, her mother in it even. Even though it was shown in a flashback that John Voigt gave Joey's little girl Laura, it's so don't mistake. Uh, who gives a shit, frankly? Lara tells Alex to get everyone out as she takes on Pill hand-to-hand combat. Why? Just shoot him and be away with it, for God's sake. So, with the machine going haywire, they fist fight after Pill gets the best of Laura. He gloats, she comes back and kicks his ass, then Crutty chops him in the throat, killing him. The place explodes for no reason, so Laura must outrun a water torrent as the machine is blowing up and parts of it is falling over the place. So for fake tits bouncing everywhere, in yet more slow-mo to keep the horny teenage 
guys and guys happy Laura gets out in the nick of time note Joey did this thing in one take as it was only a one take stunt with one aha later she finds herself riding on her boots out of the temple of white as the huskies pull her out back at the croft manor Laura, now in a dress, someone said she would never wear, visits her father's grave. In the house, Bryce fires up a new robot. Basement Jacks, where's your head at, please? Laura grabs her guns and freeze frame as credits roll. So that was Laura Croft, Tomb Raider. Nowhere near as fun as I was told this thing was. This isn't a patch on Resident Evil for ridiculousness or Mortal Kombat for its fight scenes. Hell, even Street Fighter and Super Mario Bros. has a better over-the-top villain than this thing does. This is just a boring wannabe Indiana Jones, James Bond clone. This isn't funny, clever or has any the fun. I guess this will keep the horny teens happy, but for the rest of us, there's much more better guilty pleasure movies such as Charlie's Angels. I'm going to give this thing three ahas out of ten. See right there for Laura Croft, Cradle of Life. Coming out three years after the first movie comes this Tomb Raider, Cradle of Life, with a much bigger budget of... 95 million, even actually scratched that tumor got the same budget, and pulling a pathetic 156 million. Not going to lie here, I have never saw this one, unlike the first movie where I saw bits and pieces here and there. Also, unlike the first money the first movie, I have heard nothing but bad things about this movie. And I noticed as soon as I popped in the DVD that it has a lot of James Bond in this. Let's just hope. It is the way that the special features and disc is laid out. Otherwise, this will be fun comparing Bond to Croft. So let's just dive in. Starring Angelina Jolie, Gerard Butler, Kieran Hines and Chris Barry. Directed by Jeanne Zavant. The plot, Laura Croft, is on the trail of Pandora's box. However, so is an evil scientist who is also after to sell the secrets to the ultimate weapon, which is a... Super virus, apparently. Can Laura and her marine friend stop him, or is the world doomed, or mankind doomed, or what the hell it is? Hmm. The movie opens up on a shot of the ocean, then out of the waves comes the movie studio logos, and who got that great idea? Hmm. Then onto a cliff top in Greece, into a wedding where blasting some terrible drum and bass causes the cliff to fall into the sea and have an earthquake. And finally, the titles come exploding onto the scene. What the fuck? On two trawlers pulling up treasure from the deep as some wannabe treasure hunters are pissed they're missing out. Up drives Laura Croft herself, again played by Angela Jolie, on a jet ski showing off flips etc etc. Totally not been done by a stunt double, hey. She then boards the boat and tells the captain and her, his two deckhand sons she's hunting for the Lunar Temple built by Alexander the Great but has been lost to the sea since 330 BC until she magically found its location somehow. Something about an earthquake caused the currents to change yet the other fishermen do not know this and we have some underwater water bike filming how very Thunderball new and original scenes my aunt Fanny. Ah yes and another costume change to a skin-tight silver wetsuit for Lara, because it's got to keep the horny teens happy. Note, none of this underwater stuff was actually underwater. It was shot in a dry tank, which is basically one huge water tank but with no water in it, and the actors are suspended from wires from the ceiling. All the underwater stuff is added later, CGI bubbles, fish, and including a CGI shark. 
Uh, wouldn't you know it, one in quick jaunt underwater, and she finds the temple with ease. Yet this thing has been lost for a millennia. Hmm. It also seems to have a heated pool. Ooh, get in. The captain's two sons don't care about this historic find, however, they just want to fill their pockets with gold coins. Laura, however, isn't interested and films the find using a digital camera. Is she feeling alright? No shooting, no blowing stuff up, she just films it. Who get her? She climbs this huge brass statue of Alexander the Great and steals the gold coin chest piece. This somehow causes a light to burst open upon her, even though she's underwater. So she scales the tomb to collect her prize. Just then, bad guys show up. Chinese bad guys. As on top of the tomb, she finds a glowing orb. One touch of it causes an aftershock and note. Now I go diving just after an earthquake. She isn't worried, however, and just takes the ball. However, these bad guys, are Chinese as I said, kill the brothers and shoot at Laura, making her drop the orb. And note, this movie was banned in China because it shows the country in a bad light because there's no such thing as Chinese terrorists apparently. One of the bad guys grabbed the orb as the others go to kill Laura. Luckily, Laura dies into the pool and reaches her compressed air gun and kills the bad guys by causing a column to collapse on top of them. The leader of the group, who had the ball, escapes and shoots Laura's water bike tank so she is now stuck. As the temple floods, and is lost to the sea after being destroyed by Laura, or Lara, whatever. She escapes on the back of the terrible hissing, mind, hissing CGI shark, which she punches in the nose. 14 minutes in, and this is even more ridiculous than Roger Moore's most ridiculous James Bond movie. Returning to the surface, the shark just leaves alone, even though she's bleeding from her leg and arm. Yeah, because that's how sharks work. No, she would have been jim, she would have been wolfed down. She activates a tracking device as she finds out the Greek fishing boat is now sunk. As the camera pulls out, showing just how fucked Laura is, she's stuck in the middle of the sea, badly wounded, with no hope in hell surviving against the dozens of sharks running to, well, swimming to her location to feed on her flesh. Does a submarine rise from under the waves? A terrible CGI sub at that, almost drowning her, and okay, a submarine in the middle of the sea just so happens to find her. 15 minutes into this tour, Turkey, and I'm done! Even James Bond at his most ridiculous isn't this dumb. Even Indiana Jones would say this whole opening is far-fetched. Hell, even Austin Powers would say this is a bit much love. But fuck realism. It's her butler, Hillary, again played by Chris Barry, and her tech support, Bryce, played again by Noah Taylor, who just so happened to be on the same sub that saved Laura from drowning, even being eaten alive by sharks in the middle of the Mediterranean. Really? A fucking submarine? Whatever. Meanwhile, on board a private jet, do we get introduced to the villain, Jonathan Rice, Reese, played by Kieran Hines of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, Road to Perdition, Game of Thrones and Frozen. He's trying to sell the ultimate disease to crime bosses and kills a double crossing one by poisoning his drink. Turns out he killed him with a super strain of Ebola virus and has out the antidote in small see-through pills. Landing in Hong Kong, he demands a hundred million dollars each from each of the crane bosses or they're all dead. On to Croft Manor, a completely different building from the first movie, as Laura and her butler are both staff fighting during which 
she gets her tech support to look at the video footage she shot earlier in Greece. Well, defeating her butler, she gets him to look at every orb in Greek history. As she goes out to a spot of horseback riding side saddle while shooting an illegal to own in Britain, Winchester shotgun. He held up the lands, putting off her horse, so she rides back to the mansion only to be greeted by MI6 agents. They show her a picture of the men that killed the Greek fuck buddies, oh sorry, friends, Chen Lau, played by Simon Yam, and his little brother Zen, played by Terence Yin. So it is a blood vendetta. Saw the fate of the Earth and the super strain Pandora, Phyllis. She's just in it to kill the guys that killed her best friends, which had a grand total of five minutes on screen. Time to kick in the plot. Laura tells them she's not interested in Reese and spews out a bedtime story about the Cradle of Life and Pandora's box. Once explaining all this to the MS6 agents, do they hire her to kill Reese and stop the end of all human life? This is all very James Bond Moonraker, is it not? Hmm, a virus to kill all humans but leave the planets and the adult animals alive? Get down. She then contracts her favourite spy. No, not James Bond, Ethan Hunt, Triple X, or even Austin Powers, but Terry Sheridan, played by Gerard Butler of 300, Mrs. Brown, Olympus has fallen, and Geostorm. Meanwhile, in a Russian prison, do we see Julie doing her best Clarice Stalling impression as she's being led through an all-male prison? We see Butler doing his best Cape Fear impression by doing press-ups from the ceiling cell. Laura offers him a deal from MI6. If he helps Laura, he can have his whole new life back and his criminal past will be wiped out, plus five million pounds. This silence alarm stick does not work in such a dumb movie. Anyway, no time for that, for it's a shot into space as Laura and Sheridan knew some sort of stealth glider to get to China. It's almost James Bond, but dumber. <laughs> As a CGI glider falls to Earth, it smashes into a mountain and breaks up into the sea. If you thought that was dumb, they're in the middle of nowhere rural China, but Laura finds her a friend who happens to be a weaponsmith and a mechanic, where he happens to have all her guns and two motorbikes. Okay then. She arms up and yes, you've guessed it, another costume change that is 8 in 30 minutes. She calls back to England, but the tech support still doesn't have the legend to the orb. It is a Google map shot of space, then down into the Great Wall of China in an awful CGI shot of Laura riding her bike on top of it. These stunt doubles are terrible, so much for Julie and Butler doing their own stunts. After a pointless 5 minute scene of Laura showing off her bike skills, it's onto a Chinese street where Reese's lackeys take the op from a delivery man and then just kill him on sight. In a lab, Reese now has the orb, but nope, it's a slider mobile phone as the delivery man is killed because apparently he was only knocked out earlier. Reese calls the only number on it, it is Chen Lo, or Chen Lao even, who demands Reese must kill Laura if he wants to see the orb ever again. Back with Laura, lost in China as Sheridan is leading her around in circles, she holds him at gunpoint with one of her new shiny silver twin guns. Seconds later, they're caught by the Shi Ling. In an ancient a Buddhist temple, Laura is brought face to face with Chen. Chen takes Laura into the back rooms as Terry is left to deal with the heavy, who is pissed that Terry stole his sister years earlier. 
kidding. In the back rooms, Chen shows a group of terracotta warrior statues that are priceless. Laura offers Chen an offer to give her uh, the orb and not Reese, as he will kill him on the spot. He refuses, and they both fight in some wirework ballet. As outside, Terry is getting walked over by the heavy and another couple of goons. During the wirework ballet, Chen recklessly smashes the terracotta statues to try to kill Laura. One bowstaff fight later, with Chen chopping down these bowstaffs using his swords, Laura pins him to a crate and then just runs off as Terry gets his ass handed to him all the while wise cracking one-liners, which is fucking terrible. Laura is now armed with a World War II rifle with a bayonet and holds her own blocking Chen's swords swings by doing the US Marines presenting of the arms routine, or what the hell that's called. She then stabs him in the foot with a bayonet uh, once he has been disarmed. She spares his life after he tells her where to go, i.e. Shanghai at 9pm the next day. He then shoots at her, so she kills him by throwing a knife which she had on her belt, like that wasn't the fucking th- first thing to offer when she was searched. Her guns were, but not her knives, so kidding. She then gets her guns back from a goon within seconds, and copies the James Bond damn jump from Goldeneye by leaping off the temple. And note, this stunt was done over 40 times by both Butler and Jolie over two days, much to his dismay. The escape unfolds then to Shanghai as he has the orb. Meanwhile, in England, Laura calls her tech wizard, using what I can all describe as Google Glass, long before it is even a thing. She video calls them while holding the golden coin up she found in Greece, and she stole back from Chen. And wouldn't you know it, in seconds the tech wizard comes up with the hole as a sound wave that activates the orb. Just like that. That night in Shanghai, in an empty back alley, Laura waits in the shadows for this handover to happen. Reese's goons show up, but no time for that, as it's time for Laura and Terry's boring, unneeded, unnecessary backstory that he turned on her several years earlier, stealing something blah blah blah, and she doesn't trust him. The problem with this movie is it has one too many bloody subplots, just keep to the fucking ridiculous main plot. Reese arrives via helicopter, so Laura uses a neon sign to gently and slowly ride down shooting her twin guns, yet no one saw her or even shoots back at her. With the news of a bad stunt double, does Laura leap from the sign onto the helicopter as Terry picks off men using his sniper rifle. She misses, lands on a car, then shoots the place up, so with the deal going sideways, Zen runs up to the top of a roof, but is shot by Reese, and he just flies off of the orb, as Laura was doing some cheap parkour with some wirework leaps. However, Laura, ever resourceful, uses a bamboo stick to leap under the helicopter to plant a bug on it, a tracking device on it, and then falls to, in what real life would have been her death, 80 feet into the back of a truck as Reese just flies off. The next day in Hong Kong, Laura has tracked Reese to his lab, where he's scanning the orb using lasers. Somehow, even though the bug was actually attached to the helicopter, not the orb crate itself, or whatever, he has his head goon, Sean, played by Till Swing... Swinginger? I think that's pronounced his name. Of this big old European gigolo, Far Cry the Movie, Inglorious Bastards, and Atomic Blondie. Uh, he walks in to tell 
Reese, he failed to kill Laura in Shanghai, but she has no idea where they are. He takes no chances, however, has everything sent to his private jet. Laura and Terry enter the building, which is a shopping centre, because you know, every good evil doctor has his lair in a shopping mall, where they find the lab with relative ease, and yes, you've guessed it, she shoots the place up, going after the orb, orb. ever heard of a thing called stealth, Laura? Hmm. Anyway, after a quick gunfight in which Laura wins with ease by shooting the glass ceiling on top of Reese's goon, how very diner day of her, she gets a call on her Google Glass from her tech wizard telling her he decoded the sound wave but only has half the orb. He needs the other half to complete the whole note. Morgan show up and yet more shooting and somehow Laura is caught by Reese. Seconds later, he's scanning laser scanning as decodes the music note to find Pandora's box. Just as he was going to have Laura shot, Terry shoots uh, the guy holding her hostage and saves her ass by shooting up the place uh, what's left of the lab explodes as Lara grabs the orb and runs for it on top of the roof. And wouldn't you know it, she finds two flying squirrel suits as both leap from a skyscraper once, of course, Laura has yet another costume change. And note, this was done for real by three base jumpers at a height of 500 feet in one take. By the way, these stunts are all very Bond, is it not? Mm. So much for first time ever seen stunts, my ass. Laura and Terry land on a boat uh, where they sail out of the harbour. On board, yet more scenes of Laura not trusting Terry, even though he just saved her life several times. An unwarranted PG-13 sex scene later, except it's not a sex scene, as Laura mounts Terry and then cuffs him to the bed to question him why he didn't kill Reese in the lab. So, she tells him she doesn't trust him and just leaves him on the boat. In a harbour, Laura and get another outfit change called England via a cell phone and a TV. Hmm. So video call the entire orb. This must have eaten up all of our call plan. Plus, in seconds, the tech wizard has the sound wave, yet it took Reese a day to crack this, but she does it in a matter of minutes. Jesus Christ. Tech wizard then sends her a sound wave, and the live music opens the orb to show her a video of modern day Africa and where Pandora's box is hidden. And wouldn't you know it, Reese has a tech wizard held at gunpoint. Meanwhile in Africa, we meet another one of Laura's friend, Kuso, played by Jamon Hussein of Blood Diamond, Gladiator and Guardians of the Galaxy. He's driving a jeep which Laura lands in via parachutes because that's very James Bond and Austin Powers. Yet this was original stunt my arse. Onto a beautiful shot of African wildlife, then it is onto the where the hidden temple is. One quick play deal with an African tribe leader later, and Laura is off to find the cradle of life. With warnings of shadow demons guarding it, she just scoffs and goes on. Reese's men show up via helicopter and shoot up the entire village warriors, so Laura kills a few of them and is captured yet again. Wasn't her getting bloody captured for crying out loud, she's bad as Bond. Reese pulls out the big guns when Laura rejects his offer yet again, i.e. the butler and the wizard. One bargain later and it's onto the hidden temple. Terry shows up and rescues the butler and the wizard from some hapless goons and then follows Laura. Meanwhile, in the mystic forest, Laura leads Reese and his men and are picked off one by one by shadow monsters, which look like bad xenomorph wannabe CGI monstrosities. As this is happening, Laura steals the orb back from Reese, runs for it, 
as Reese's men are getting eaten, including Sean. Laura throws Orb down an anthill and this magically transports to Pandora's boxes location, a crystal cave which defies the laws of gravity as Laura walks on the ceiling. Terry flies up in a helicopter and enters the cave. Finally, Laura and Reese find Pandora's box floating in a swirling pool of bubbling CGI water. However, Reese doesn't want Laura to open it because he wants to break tradition. Wait, what? Laura escapes his grasp and runs off with Reese firing wildly in a cave which Laura told him do not shoot in because it's a cave that's unstable and the sound waves will bring down the cave. Teddy gets Pandora's box from the boiling lake of acid as Laura fights Reese killing him by throwing him into the pool of acid. Teddy bandages up her wounds and the two kiss. The two have a lover's tith over whether or not to take Pandora's box. After a quick talk, she shoots him dead. Laura is about to open Pandora's box, but changes her mind last minute, refloats it in the bubbling pool of water slash acid, as it sinks for some reason. Laura climbs out of the hole, tells the village elders the box is gone, hands over a solid gold coin necklace thing she stole in Greece. Walks back into the village, finding the butler and the tech wizard getting pinned up to look like warriors, but it turns out no, they're to be managed each other, they both freak out and run to Laura's jeep, because that's funny, homophobic joke. No it's not, that's just fucking sad. They speed off as credits roll. So that was Tomb Raider, Cradle of Life. If I thought Laura Croft Tomb Raider was bad, this thing blows it out of the water. This is far too long for its own good, too dumb and takes itself far too seriously. That also has far too many subplots and far too much crap happening. Uh, this is just a third-rate James Bond wannabe. Also, for a movie called Tomb Raider, there is no rating of the tombs. I'm going to give this thing one unnecessary shootout out of ten. Let's hope the reboot movie of the rebooted video game is better, and I will not be hard, as this is an easy bar to leap over. Come back next week for Festive Funnies. My look at Christmas Vacation, Hobble Alone, Santa Slay, and more. January is John Carpenter movies, such as The Fog, Escape from New York, and Christine. So don't forget to leave a like, comment, and subscribe on my SoundCloud. Also follow me on Twitter at Here's Johnny's Pod. Email me movie suggestions to Here's Johnny's Reviews at gmail.com. Check out my franchise podcast of Resident Evil, Star Wars, Mad Max, Underworld, Psycho, and more. Also my solo podcast of Doctor Who, Aliens, Scream, Die Hard, Stephen King's The Shining, and a bye-bye. <laughs>